1961. What? 1961? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Music Man. Do you remember what we're doing, Brad? Yes, indeed. Indeed, we're going to talk about this wonderful movie set in 1912, made in 1961, and being revived on Broadway right now by Hugh Jackman. God bless his soul. Yeah, you want to say the title instead of just the build-up? The Music Man, I said it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Music Man, yeah. I had never seen this before. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I loved it, Brad. I loved every minute of it. Excellent. I'm so happy to hear that. This film is a whirlwind of insanity. (laughs) Now, how much do you remember? Um... We'll see as we go along. Okay, yeah, we should probably preface. We saw the movie a couple of days ago. Yes. Um, I didn't realize it actually was two and a half hours long, so it's a, it's an investment. It's a fucking journey, I tell you. <laughs> but yeah, you know, actually, that's one of the things that I liked about it, because as I was watching it again, I hadn't seen it in probably two decades, but uh, I was looking at the structure of the story, And from the first song all the way through, you're basically first you're introduced to there's this group of these shady characters who are traveling salesmen. And here's this legendary shady, shadiest of all shady characters, Professor Harold Hill, the music man. And they do this whole great song set to the rhythm of the train ride. One of my favorite songs in the movie. This is one of the greatest opening scenes that I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Isn't it great? I I don't know how many times you looked at me whilst we watched this, but I sat for this entire song mouth agape. (laughs) Well, we were about three quarters of the way through the song when you went, what the hell is going on? (laughs) Yeah. There's just the one guy who seems to like uh, s- spontaneously contract rictus and just go, what are you talking? What are you talking? What are you talking? What are you talking? <laughs> I uh, astounding. <laughs> Absolutely yes. astounding. Cash for the hard goods. Cash for the soft goods. Yeah. Great. I don't even know all of the lyrics because they reference all of these things that used to be sold but are no longer sold. Like a demi John, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure they made up many words during this film, Brad. I doubt half the shit they listed w- were actual products. Oh, I don't know. Could well be because there were a lot of weird products with weird names too. You know, so who knows? So, I mean, we have a dongle after all, so we got shit with weird names these days. Yeah, that's fair. You know what? Uh, I was a uh, waffle. What a fucking weird word. Yeah. I love that word, though. Waffle. Well, and waffles. Waffles are the absolute kings of the breakfast uh, bread product, I guess. I mean, pancakes are bullshit. French toast. Get that fucking wet egg bread the fuck out of here. You want to give me a waffle? (laughs) Hell yeah, man. I'll chow on a waffle. (laughs) I didn't mean to take us on a waffle tangent, but I felt it necessary. Hey, I appreciate that, man. Got a lot of love for the waffle myself. (laughs) But so, but so we're taken in 
the from- official breakfast food of HPV, which, yeah, welcome to HPV. I'm Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm Brad. We so, watch bullshit. So, <laughs> Professor Harold Hill somehow Hill? tricks this entire Hill? train Hill? full of salesmen to stay on a train? Well, basically what happens is um, during the course of the song, they say, look, there's no point in selling in Iowa because they're um, a bunch of skin flints and you can't, no one, no one ever succeeds in Iowa. And he doesn't they know just the territory. Got, right. Exactly. They just got done trashing this guy, Harold Hill, and how he's ruined it for all of them in all of these other territories. So they're trying to go other places and they're coming into Iowa from what, Indiana or somewhere. And Can I be so, honest with you, Brad, huh? I understand their concern based on what happens in this film. I understand yeah, their no concern shit, right? for him infecting a town. Yeah, no shit. And so basically what Harold hears while he's hearing his name being trashed is the only place he can go is this territory that's supposed to be so bleak and such a hard sell that he's going to try and crack it because that's the only place he can run to. Otherwise these guys are going to tar and feather him. Literally. Yeah. Literally. That comes up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Medieval torture comes up in this film. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I, I about lost my goddamn mind when I heard them pronouncing it Iowa. Iowa. And he says, oh, I thought it was pronounced Iowa. And they say, <laughs> it is. But I just heard him say, yeah, you did. So I can't say no. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> treat Iowa like the N-word. It's insane. Yeah. yeah, we don't like it when other people say it. Only we can say it. It's, it is baffling. I'll be honest with you. And then they sing an entire song about Iowa while following him through town. That song is called, that song is called Iowa Stubborn. Sure. (laughs) And it has lines in it that, that are like, um, you can eat your fill of the food that you bring yourself. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then they invite him to a picnic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Come to this picnic. You can eat all the food you bring yourself. Okay. Nice. (laughs) It's very confusing. I spent this entire movie wondering what in the hell was going on Mm -hmm. from a very, very early point. I was just utterly lost. I asked you several times, Brad, what's happening? (laughs) And I believe this was one of the first of many. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So the train ride getting into Iowa. um, So, yeah. So that's basically the structure. We're introduced. There's this guy, Harold Hill. He's a real shady motherfucker, but nobody can crack this town. And that's where he jumps off the train. So he jumps off the train right as it's about to pull out of the station. And it's only then that he reveals, yeah, I'm that shady guy you've been talking about. See y'all later. Right. So they're all stuck on the train. They don't chase him off, leaving the town free and clear. So the next song is about the town. 
then the song after that is the girl, uh, the um, music teacher. Okay. And then, and then after that, um, Harold meets um, Buddy Hackett. Oh, that's right. Because they just happen to know each other. Yeah. They're old Grifton buddies. Yeah. In massive coincidences of all coincidences, he runs into a guy that he hasn't seen in like 20 years from New Jersey or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where it's they like used when, to run this same grift. It's like when Patrick Swayze gets to the double deuce in Roadhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he just happens to know Jeff Healy, the house guitarist. They're just buds. Yeah. Like, yeah. Huh, well, that doesn't make any goddamn sense, but sure. <laughs> Except Ladies for in this case, it's Buddy Hackett. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, <clears throat> and since he's already familiar with what the um, the grift is, Harold's got a buddy. He's got a partner right there. They can get started. And uh, and they do. They get started with a capital T that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. Oh, oh we got trouble right here in River City. Right. My God. So. <laughs> Okay, you had to point this out to me because it didn't make any sense, but there was a billiards hall in this town for God knows how long. Uh-huh. And then they, when they finally got a billiards table is when the entire town turned against the pool hall. Right. Because this uh-huh. maniac from out of town with a briefcase wildly <laughs> accused them of not even crimes, just like being morally bankrupt. Yes. The danger of becoming morally bankrupt because suddenly there was a pool table. It's it's really I, I keep comparing it to other things, but it's like the monorail bit in The Simpsons when the yeah. guy convinces all of Springfield that they need a monorail. Well, that bit that he sings to them is actually from the Music Man when he's singing to them about <clears throat> how they need a monorail and that whole sort of song that convinces them. Yeah. I forget how the Simpsons adapted it, but that is direct from music man. And that capital T that rhymes with P song. It is. Yeah. It's the weakest argument I've ever heard in my life in the entire town. Hey. Is like, Oh hell yeah. He's right. Think of the children. <laughs> They literally use that argument in the Music Man, and we hear that argument for every everything that somebody wants to get over. We'll think of the future. Think of our children. This save the children. This film from 1961 is a real glimpse into the fact that America has not changed in uh, exactly in a century. We're exactly. still the same old puritanical shitbags that we've always been. <laughs> and yeah. dumb this town dumb. is fucking dumb <laughs> yeah well you know again just context i'm always gonna you know be devil's advocate with context 1912 so no internet television even telephones are kind of obscure not really used all that much if they're around you know they had that whole sequence in the movie about three quarters of the way through the Wells Fargo wagon. I know I'm jumping ahead here, but 
just is that three quarters of the way i think that's about half and this movie's just really long yeah okay maybe about half (laughs) you're probably right because there's a lot after that but oh no where they're getting i'm sorry go ahead just to finish a point they're finishing they are waiting for supplies that come like once every couple of weeks or maybe once a month or something like that. So this town is so isolated that it's really a big fucking deal when some cart shows up or some stranger shows up because they're just so isolated. A guy's really excited that his bathtubs arrived. Yeah. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You know, or the, um, what was that? Is it going to be oranges or, you know, they're just talking about different groceries or, you know, what we would consider really mundane shit that we can just go to the store and get right now. And these guys are like, holy shit, this is fantastic. You know, so. So anyway, did we get to the so, part yet where the entire town's beef with the librarian is that somebody left her the books? <laughs> <laughs> the entire town is pissed yeah. off at this librarian because she runs the library. Well, okay, Owns let's just preface the librarian a little bit by saying that part of the grift is that the librarian. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so part of the grift is that Harold Hill knows that he doesn't know shit about music. And if there's anybody who knows about music, they'll be able to expose him before he can he can sell them the band, right? Yes. So the one person who's the music teacher in the town is also the librarian, Marion. And Harold tells Buddy he's going to seduce Marion as part of this whole grift to um, make sure that he can uh, take everybody's money and sell everybody the band, right? So now he can distract the one educated person and just rob these rubes blind. Exactly. Exactly. And so now Marion, we find um, she's living with her mother, her younger sister, daughter. Dude, I, I don't know. We're talking about it. It, it changes way, a few times. <laughs> I think the way the family structure goes is Marion is the eldest daughter and the other two kids are sister and brother and the youngest kid is played by uh young Ron Howard. Howard. yes and oh, uh yeah the man who would go on to direct apollo 13 uh-huh and, um i i always thought kevin other... bacon was a strange choice for that movie i mean i like kevin bacon as much as anyone else but for apollo 13 probably should well, have got someone better the the real guy that he's supposed to um the part that he's playing the real guy have you seen him a picture no but i also didn't know anyway so they could have gotten somebody who didn't suck instead of kevin bacon excellent point but (laughs) bacon looks more like jaeger than um or whoever he's supposed to be there than tom hanks looks like his guy right yes in real so life anyway then we God, just rambling all right so 
One of the bits that I noticed immediately is when she's making her daughter practice the piano and her and her mother having an argument to the tune of the piano. I figured out where it was from. Uh, There's a couple different Family Guy bits that I spotted in this, but I believe it's Family Guy that does that. Yeah. Yeah, when yeah. they're singing, you they are well. They're yeah. arguing. They're singing along with the <laughs> tune of the music that the child is playing on the piano. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's Great bananas. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fucking rad. Yeah, honestly. But I genuinely think that in in a musical household, I de- genuinely think that kind of thing would happen, though where they're just running the scales. And as they're doing the scales, they're talking because they're trying to keep in time. You know what I mean? I'm sure that happened in real life. Okay. The insane part is not in the execution. It is more in the content of the song. Oh, (laughs) because the old woman's telling her, well, you're, you're not getting any younger. You're a single mother. Hey, you should probably fuck that strange man that just arrived in town and is sleeping what? in the horse barn. There's a strange man in town and he's, yes, yeah, sleeping in a horse barn and talking about trouble with a pool. T- he's selling band. What? Who is this? Guy? You know what? You should marry him. <laughs> yes. Go marry him right now. Don't wait. <laughs> He sounds like a very nice man. <laughs> you won't have any other man in town. You might as well take him. It's like, Jesus. Yeah, that's really what she says. Like, <laughs> holy crap. So it's, it's, it, she's very direct. <laughs> yeah. She says something like um, that, that uh, fantasy of St. Michael, uh, some really educated guy and some other really handsome guy that you've, created for yourself in your head you know to the tune of that right and it's just and it's great because then amaryllis the minute the mom finishes her slam amaryllis goes boom on the piano yeah i forgot the daughter's name is amaryllis amaryllis isn't that awesome what a name well what a real hero you keckney shin how's that for a name yeah, I completely forgot, but yeah, that's a thing. That's a real name in this film. So then yeah, we get so, okay. One of my favorite things in musicals, and I said it right as it happened. Anyone mm. singing out a window into the night sky in a musical, yep. chef's kiss. I love it. I love yes. it. Love it. Love it. Well, and this is another beautiful. Um, depiction of the ingenue who hopes on you know um, a brighter future hopes on a brighter star for that lover who's out there somewhere and they know that they're out there and somehow they'll connect someday you know it's just well executed but we know she's it's not, not a that... good song though well it's, it's... well done and no. it allows no us it's to not see that that's it not is, a good dude. song. Excuse me. I think it's a good song. And I like it because I've held because, off mentioning Brad. Almost huh. none of the songs in this film follow any sort of meter. They, they just kind of run wild. Well, you know, the Music Man is a fine example of um 
advancing your narrative through the song, not just having some sort of song that's that's about some nonsense. I mean, for example, one of the reasons I like this song is because it reveals to us that she's not that cold hearted, ruthless woman that the town is characterizing her as. She's actually someone who is compassionate and is willing to find someone and find a lover, be loved, love someone else. She's willing to do those things. She's just not finding it where she's at. So she's recognizing that she's, um, you know, different from others. So naturally we know that Harold Hill is, she's going to be an easy target for him, you know? (laughs) And lo and behold, she is. Man, there's one part that I can't wait to discuss, but I don't know exactly where it is. What happens after this? Okay, so um, Harold makes his big pitch. Okay, the first pitch was the trouble with the capital T that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. The next big pitch is um, the gymnasium scene. Oh, oh my. (laughs) Right. Uh Oh, oh dear. (laughs) (laughs) With the lovely Hiawatha play that the moment they started, you were completely appalled by. (laughs) Yeah, it is. uh, It's not great. (laughs) Well, it's hilarious, I think, because once again, here's a shining example of these rubes and how uh, isolated, misinformed and terribly stupid they are. Because this is like their historical cultural presentation. And thank God there's that ruffian gang member with the firecracker who blows it up. Oh, (laughs) man. Oh, man. So remember that? This little runs out in the middle of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Runs out in the middle of everybody, full audience, blows up this uh, firecracker, runs back to his seat. Mayor runs out and says, who did that? The entire room watched him. He ran in front of all of them. (laughs) He was sitting like six and a half feet away. He barely moved to do any of this. It was his firecracker was smoking. And (laughs) yeah, Um, I believe this was also one of the few times in the film where the dancing was real bad. Like, it looked really slapped together. Most of the shit in this movie is really good. But if I remember correctly, it's this scene where, like, man, everybody's out of time. And it looks like they really just fucked this up and didn't have time or money to go back and do it again. It's possible. It is possible. Yeah. Um, Because I think that there were... um, certain songs that they really concentrated on, like the whole Shaboopy number. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is another Family Guy riff, yep. that Shaboopy song. But, um, you know, other uh, more like larger set piece kinds of songs where they really focused on what they were doing with it. Oh, and they look um, magnificent. Yeah. So, yeah. I've- so. I'm going to jump to whatever the fuck because I don't really care. Can we talk about the Buffalo Bills for a moment? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Actually, that's right in that same area. Not the football team. There is a (laughs) four-piece 
uh, barbershop quartet. Yes. The, yeah. They are phenomenal. Yeah. Because they're what? Yeah. They're like four city council members that don't agree on anything until they mm-hmm. learn the majesty of song. Yeah. Yeah. They're city council members, school board advisory committee, and they all have badges like they're all deputies running around the town later at the end. And they so, all hate each other until they're uh-huh. introduced to song by Harold Hill. And then they are literally inseparable. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They are and everywhere. Said they will be inseparable from this point forward. And he's yes. right. They are no longer four men. They are one soul joined together in beautiful song. Yeah. And all they need is someone to give them like just the lead into the song. Yeah. And they just pick it up and they go from there. Because there's that one point where it's it's almost like they monkey paw it. Like if somebody had asked for a wish, like somebody says something about like, oh boy, it's hot out here. Like, oh, it's hot. You know, it's good. Watermelon. Uh, That's not an exact (laughs) thing, but like they really take an idea and run with it and turn it into a whole goddamn thing. Well, you know, a friend of mine pointed this out um, about the Buffalo Bills there. Um, Even when they're not singing, they're just saying their regular lines. um, They maintain their tonal difference. Yes. The same as when they sing. So they maintain that same vocal tone, uh, vocal range between the four of them which I thought was really interesting. I hadn't noticed that, you know, man, but even just when they're doing their regular lines, they make sure the difference is there because the first time we're introduced to them, uh, I can't remember what song it is. They're singing. Do you mm-hmm. remember? It's, um, good night ladies. Oh, it is good night ladies. Cause they're basically, they are shown just in the set, in the film, like by Harold Hill or like in the town. And then all of a sudden, they, the four of them just move over onto their own set on a bridge in front yeah. of fireworks going off in the background. Yeah. It is. I'm sorry. That was, uh, that was How Can There Be Sin in Sincerely? Remember oh, that man. song? It is gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing yeah. these four men just, just, just doing what they do on a bridge in front of fireworks. My yeah. God, breathtaking. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Now imagine seeing that at the Cinerama Dome where you have a full, you know, 70 millimeter experience sound, all of that. I mean, it must have been remarkable when it first yeah. came out. I would have know. pissed in my pants. That would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. So um, good thing you bring this them up, too, because that's also significant plot points within the movie with um, how Harold Hill is able to sort of goad the town and persuade them into buying these instruments for their kids and all of that sort of thing, because um, he takes these four guys who are authoritarian figures who can't fight, he can't agree on anything always arguing with each other and he turns them into uh, a barbershop quartet 
and now they love each other and music is going on and they're having fun and blah, blah, blah. Yuleli Kekni Shin is the mayor's wife and she is a true ball buster, right? Yeah. You see her coming into the library saying this book by Omar Kaya, I am beside myself. This is so offensive. Oh, man. Right. Right. She can't. And so she's against all of this poetry, but she leads this whole gaggle of women who are like members of different art committees and church committees and whatever committees. And all they do is pester each other and gossip around the town. It's the women of high society of this town in Iowa. Right. So he takes you, Harold Hill, the music man takes you lately, Keckney Shin and says, Oh my God, you must be in charge of the music committee. And she goes, Oh my goodness. Yes, I must. And he's like, you're so gracious. You have such style and all of these things. Wonderful. And now he's completely played to her vanity and boom, persuaded her in just a few sentences. He literally is a spellbinder. Can we talk about the song that those women sing? Pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, pick, 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 talk a lot, pick a little more. Yeah, great song. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it, this was the other one of the other times that my jaw was agape the entire song. It's, it's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. It's bananas. Yeah. And it's but also this is where got Go uh, Ms. Ms. Gulch from Wizard of Oz. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> And uh, this is the song where they get into why the librarian is so such a horrible woman, because how dare her, how dare she befriend the old miser on the hill who died alone? The old miser who actually donated to the town, the town library, the town street, the town uh, yeah. hall, you know, all of this stuff. It's really so, the, uh, was it the life of Brian? The, well, what have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> and then he just <laughs> off them, like a long list of accomplishments. <laughs> exactly. 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 And part of their beef is he gave the town a library, but he left all the books to her. <laughs> yeah. But she still has to like pay the rent on the building or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <clears throat> of course, because so basically she's just running a business. It's not even a library. Like. Exactly. And as we find out later in the movie, Miser Madison, as he's referred to, was actually uh, a friend of her father's. She referred to him as uh, Uncle Maddie because they were just that good of a relationship with the family. So he left the books to her to ensure that the family always had some sort of source of income or something. So he helped take care of the family. Yeah. So he wasn't such, such a jerk, which, you know, is part of the point of this movie is for all of the bickering and the, and the gossiping and all of this stuff, nobody's actually really talking to each other and finding out who they really are until this guy shows up and kind of turns the whole town on its side. Is because he starts selling them instruments, and then all of a sudden his uh, grift gets larger and more out of control because he decides to 
get them uniforms as well because he's going to start a band right in this town now <clears throat> okay so this is good let's get into the grift basically what it is we find out from buddy hackett that what they used to do was only sell the band instruments. And as soon as they had the money, boom, they were out of town. Whether or not the instruments arrived didn't matter, right? Yes. Now the grift has been expanded to uniforms and music lessons. So <laughs> it takes, right. So not only do they have to wait, they wait, the instruments are, arrive. There's still another two weeks after the instruments arrive. So a four week time period total is what we're talking about here. Yes. Four week time period. And when the uniforms arrive by that time, the band is supposed to be ready to play the instruments so that they can put on a show. The yes. only problem is Harold has no fucking idea how to teach anybody how to use their musical instruments. And he's created this thing that he calls the, thought think the think method the think method thank you <laughs> this is where this film really takes a turn uh-huh this is uh this is straight up culty after this point yeah he is yeah and we start to see really how manipulative and actually kind of cruel what he is doing is with all of his precious compliments that are ultimately designed to strip as much money and influence as he can from these people. Yes. And the only person that seems to be onto him is the bumbling mayor who sort of also falls for his charms intermittently. He's one of those characters that as soon as he falls for it goes, no, 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 wait, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> After the music right. man has already gotten right. away. Well, Exactly. But the other thing about the mayor that we see is that he is he is immediately spellbound like every other member in the town, right? Yes. <clears throat> but the minute that there starts to be a question of a possibility of who is this guy, suddenly the mayor knows his ass is on the line and he starts going Yes, let's see his credentials. So what I'm trying to say here is he's the first person that we see in the whole story legitimately go, oh, shit, I need to cover my ass. Yeah, so this guy from, is a problem. That, <laughs> yeah. And from that moment forward, he's saying, I said from the very first, even though he was caught up in all of it, just like everybody else was, it wasn't until a bit later when he realized, oh, holy shit, maybe uh, maybe I could lose my job. Let me and do my job. And <laughs> to, to push it even further, he's only really interested after he is grifted as well. Yes. And he's yeah. one of the first people to notice it, even though he's a bumbling fool. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a now, very side of that. It's very American. Yes. Uh-huh. And the flip side of that is Mary, who uh, from the outset doesn't trust him, suspects him, actually gets the evidence against him. But by the time she's ready to use that evidence, now she's fallen under his spell as well. So, so he, he shows up and uh, harasses her at her job. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh 
aggressively says, harasses her. Says, I'm in love with you. And she's like, shh. And he says, okay, I'm going to drop this whole bag of marbles if, if you don't listen to me. That's the first massive aggression step. <laughs> yeah. The, the other would just be pawing at her the entire time, I would think. Uh-huh. Well, 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 there's that. There's getting in her face. There's not allowing her to do her job. There's all of the, I mean, the whole song is just basically all the way through it. And the reason, the only reason that I, I um, think it goes too far, right, is because he's only been in town two days. Something like that, yeah. And he's like, oh, I love you. Which is obviously like, what the, huh? You know, nobody in their right mind would be doing that. We skipped over my, I think we skipped over my, one of my favorite parts of this entire film. Go. The song about how he doesn't want to find a nice young lady. He likes sluts. Oh. And he sings it in front of a little girl. Hmm. Was that before? Either, whatever. It, the timeline doesn't matter. At some point, he sings an entire song about how he doesn't want a nice woman. He wants an easy broad because he's going to get the well, fuck out of town. Well, now, Chris, here in front of like a 10 year old girl who's smiling yeah, okay. through the entire thing. Well, the 10-year-old girl clearly doesn't understand the words, much as I, as a 10-year-old boy, first time I saw this movie, didn't understand the words. That would be the first thing that I would throw up. Although, I bet you in Hugh Jackman's stage play, there's no 10-year-old girl anywhere on stage while that show, while that song is going on. I certainly (laughs) hope not. (laughs) Because the song itself, I will remind you, is... That he doesn't want a virginal girl. It is the sadder, more experienced girl that he wants. Yeah. Right? He likes tired old whores. (laughs) Yeah. He likes the women who have been ridden around the block more than once. You know? (laughs) I'm with you, Harold Hill. I'm with you. (laughs) Yeah. uh Uh-huh. They haven't had their true love, but they're willing to let the fantasy live one more time. Just hopefully he doesn't knock him up and leave him with the kid before he flies out of town. Right? And again, all of this in front of a little girl. <laughs> and and Buddy Hackett's just there too. Well, Buddy Hackett is the fine uh, friend who allows us as the audience to understand what kind of shitty smarmy man this guy actually is as opposed to this front, this facade he's putting on how charming he is, all of this stuff. Sure. He's charming, but he's fucking terrifying because he just runs through these women as part of his grift. And he has no guilt, no qualms, no problems. They joke about it. They have a whole song about it. You know, no, I don't want to target these women. They bore me. They're too easy to target. Let me target these other women because I can probably get laid too. You know, I mean, that's literally, that's the song. It's, 
it's he's a goddamn sociopath yeah he's a real problem yeah this is see now this is the thing about these older movies which is why i enjoy them so much because you know the you poster is <laughs> the poster is all smiley faces la 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 isn't this a great little piece of americana sure but then you really start getting into the story and you're like these are some fucked up people man what <laughs> this, this what is a this? grifter that lives in a barn with buddy hackett singing about banging whores in front of a little girl what the yeah. fuck is going on man yeah and when they do show that he has been sitting uh has been in a hotel room right they show him check his bill for the hotel and he's like overdue by a week or whatever and he yeah. owes them money so it's like this guy he just Wherever he goes, he owes. Yeah, you know? he, he is just destruction. He will ruin everyone's life that he comes yeah. across. Yeah. So, tra-la-la, in our happy little uh, musical number now, uh, we're at the point where things are going pretty well. He's working the, the um, librarian. So, there's a the little bit of romance that's happening there. The band stuff has arrived because the Wells Fargo wagon has come into town and now uh, people have their instruments. But now there's the question of who's going to they learning? Yeah. Who's yeah. going to teach you to play this? Exactly. Because we see one of his, uh, his uh, think method sessions where he's just telling them the minuet in G, da-da-da-da-da, whatever, and just has them repeating that over and over again and then says, you'll get it. It'll, you'll just be able to start playing it in your instruments. You know, yes. just keep thinking about it and then you'll be able to do it. He has them doing vocal exercises to learn how to play an instrument, a physical instrument. <laughs> yep. And little Ronnie Howard even holds up his cornet and says, but or French horn or whatever it is and says, but how do I play? I don't, uh, it's got this thing and this thing. And, and uh, Harold says, isn't experimentation a wonderful thing? You go play with it. (laughs) He just hand waves it all. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And the kid just sits back down with his instrument, knowing he hasn't learned a damn thing and probably won't learn a damn thing. But they go back to the minuet and she da 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 da. So things start getting tight. Things get close, get down to the line. They get the last of the money for the suits, which are supposed to have arrived. And um, there's a big town celebration. I'm jumping ahead a bunch of stuff. Yes. But basically, we've covered all of the high points. Everything else oh, is wh- like... Did we forget the... Was it 72 trombones or whatever song? 76 trombones in the marching band. All 110. You hear it first as part of his uh, pitch at the gymnasium. Okay. When, uh, when uh, he makes his first pitch about the band. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. We get the reprise at the very end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. It was just one of the more memorable songs. I just wanted to make sure that I hadn't forgotten it. Yes. Well, 
that is the um, that song. Uh, there were bells, bells in the town, but I never heard them ringing. Remember that one? Nope, not that at all. <laughs> well, that actually was a pretty popular song that came from the musical. And then there were like, I think, two other numbers, including the Shibuki one. But anyway, so 76 trombones, that was like the big, big um, song. We we do get a couple more uh, essentially like solo Buffalo Bills songs. And every time they are on screen, it's magic. Absolute (laughs) magic. I like I'm not bullshitting. I really enjoy when they are on screen. It's really good. Yeah. Well, and they all have individual parts that they're playing, you know, then that they play into like this guy is the more comical one. This guy is the more uh, keeping the band together one you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So while we were watching it, you and I were talking about how it's amazing that this was just, that's what these dudes did. This was their job. Yeah. That they made a living off of that. Like, man, wow. Times changed. (laughs) Well, you know, there are still musicians tour. Yeah. But I mean, like uh, our thing is we do barbershop quartet. And yeah, yeah, we're just in this gigantic and now historic musical. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it's mind blowing that that's, that was their job was to be a barbershop quartet. Well, imagine all of the different places because literally it's just the four of them. So not only are you doing barbershops to, um, you know, keep people interested while passing the time while they're getting their haircut, whatever. Uh, but you could go to a bar, you could go to a a county fair, you know, any of these places where there was any sort of public event, suddenly you could show up and sing a few songs and earn a few pennies or whatever it was that, um, you got for what you did there, you know? Yeah. But no, like I said, man, just every time that they show up, like it, it's not me even being a dick. It's like, man, these guys are really good. Like this is very entertaining. Well, along those lines, it's why I like vaudeville. It's why I like seeing those old movies because even WC fields with the cigar boxes and doing his cigar box sort of juggling routine. I mean, fuck, that's amazing, dude. I don't know anybody. (laughs) you know contemporary performer who does that and if there are there must be somewhere there's such a few finite few people and that's that's a genuine skill set granted it's not worth more than entertaining other people but it's still fucking entertaining to you know and one of the other things that i wanted to talk about was uh, i want to take a detour into the filmmaking Because Uh, mm -hmm. I do a thing sometimes where I will count the amount of seconds in a Mm -hmm. sequence before it cuts to a different Mm -hmm. camera Mm -hmm. angle, just a camera cut in movies since, you know, like the nineties, I guess is when it really started to pick up. It's usually about three to five seconds per cut until Mm -hmm. the camera angle changes. Something happens. In these, there are long sweeping camera movements that are like, yeah, like 30 seconds long 
where mm -hmm. nowadays we'd be like, oh, that's a really good Warner. And that's just what movies were back then. Yeah. It, they have to get the choreography, the camera placement, lighting to move cameras in such a sweeping manner. It's yeah. the filmmaking is fucking incredible in this film. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And once again, another reason why I love it. I mean, kinetic cinema is interesting at times, but uh, I remember when it first started to be a thing. And frankly, I didn't like it because um, I think that you can cover a lot of production mistakes with quick cut editing. Yeah. And uh, you see that all the time in fight scenes where, you know, the choreography sucks. The people doing it suck. But because it's quick cut the way it is, eh, fuck it. It's fine. Yeah. And, you know, you take Looking some you of these equilibrium. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, so you take a, a look at some of these long takes where this choreography is literally, no, these people are done and now these people are shuffling in and you're seeing the full transition of what this number actually had like it would have if you were seeing it live on Broadway. Yeah, and right? in some of these shots on these, like you can tell they're not huge sound stages. Uh, they're pretty yeah. large. But there's up to 70 people that 70, like, if you want to put it, like, break it down into stupid terminology, that's like 70 different pieces of machinery working that all have to work correctly every single time to get these shots done. One person yeah. flubs a fucking dance move. They have to reset everything. Yeah. 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 Exactly. exactly. It's wild, it's man. It's astonishing and it's, it's lovely. It's, I mean, it's, it's the kind of stuff that made me want to make movies, you know, imagine being on that set anywhere on that set, right? Whatever and your position is. The production design, the sets themselves yeah. for 1961 and obviously like what they were working with, they look mm -hmm. fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And also consider at this time that doing musicals at that time was they'd already been doing musicals since the 50s. So this is kind of old hat for them. OK, we're going to use this soundstage, repurpose it. We've already got people who are used to shooting and lighting these things, you know. So something that would probably take fucking months to do now. They were like, OK, we'll be up in a couple weeks. Next month, we'll be ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they're just a well-oiled studio system. We, we have know? all these dancers on retainer. Uh, just call yeah. in, teach them a few new moves. They'll be ready to go in a week. Get costuming exactly. on it. We'll be all set to go. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, um, so anyway, so this happens to be not just one unique classic from the era. But it happens to be one of my favorites, which is um, why I subjected you to it. <laughs> oh, man. I Like I said, man, I really like this movie. And I, I think you thought you were getting me because you didn't think I like <laughs> musicals. I don't mind a good musical, man. But like, it, it has to be at least a compelling story. Like, yeah, the, 
Yeah. There are so many musicals out there like this is just boring and the songs are bad and I don't like any of this. That's how I feel about a chorus line. I don't understand why that is such a popular musical other than it's behind the scenes stuff about, you know, New York stage production. But well, it's it's the same reason that Hollywood sucks their own dick over any movie made about making movies. True. Very true. Yeah, very true. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. La La Land, I didn't care for either. <laughs> I was just like, whatever. So, um, so where are we? So, okay. The uniforms arrive. Buddy Hackett gets Harold as much as the cash as they've been able to collect at that point, because there's a train that's going to leave in about an hour and a half. And one of the rival salesmen that we saw on the train in the very beginning number is in town with proof and evidence that Harold Hill is a fraud. It was the guy that was constantly yelling. He doesn't know the territory. Yeah, but he doesn't know the territory. Right. That guy. And, um, And so there's this lovely scene where he basically uh, tells Marion flat out that, man, if I have 10 minutes with you, I'm going to rape you, basically. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. And she's like, no, you're you're a filthy piece of shit until she realizes that he's he does have evidence that will expose Harold, this other scumbag that she cares for. And she's decide, and so she decides to. You that know, is the perfect description of what is happening. Yes, <laughs> this other scumbag that for some reason she's fallen in love with, <laughs> and now well, to and now to get him back, she is going to throw herself at this other salesman. Literally, yes. literally, and fortunately, the sound of the train in the distance snaps everybody out of it and she's like aha i win and he's like you little tramp and she's like fuck you and he goes fuck you back and then they they leave they separate and uh she doesn't get sexually assaulted (laughs) so at least there's some relief there sure she immediately goes to get sexually assaulted by harold (laughs) it is an insane sequence of events Uh uh-huh and this is the tragic romantic love story that lies within the music man. Is, is this the part where he shows up in that goddamn white suit? Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. He looks like a such man an asshole. on the run. A man on the run trying to hide shows because up in they a are pristine going white. To literally tar and feather him. They are right. going to medieval torture. This yes, let's emphasize this is <laughs> this is the climax of the movie. He's got the money. He knows he's ready to run. He's in his pristine white suit so that he can run and jump on some rail car that's leaving. It's not even like a regular uh, coach car. It's like one of those industrial things that carries God knows what dirt and sod. And he's in this white suit. <laughs> he, he's going to be a hobo riding the rails. Yes. Because 
He knows this rival is in town. He knows his sheriff is chasing him. And you see this ripple effect as the news spreads through town. And now they're going to, oh, they're going to get that herald. They're going to tar and feather him, put him on a rail, and all of these other horrible things. And he's trying to tell Marion, you know what, girl? I got to go. Love you, but I got to go. And then as they're singing in um, whatever back and forth. About how Harold he decides, just wants to sit down. <laughs> he decides he, he, he can't leave Marion. Holy crap. There's an entire section of this song about like, can we please just sit down for a minute though? <laughs> he looks like hammered yeah. shit at this point. He looks like he has been drinking and snorting crystal meth of a switchblade the entire time he has been in this town. Yeah, well, now, imagine <laughs> this, this, again, is the beautification of a terrible story. <laughs> so we don't see the many hours that he's spent up worrying about, you know, who's going to try and lynch him you know, or try and bother him or anything like that. We don't, we don't see all of that stuff. We just see the parts that are supposed to be the romantic bits, which are, I'm, you know, I got to catch this train before I get destroyed. And let me point out, this is also the point where Marion sings the song to Harold, where she basically says, okay, look, I know you're leaving town. I know who you are. I know what you are. I don't care. <laughs> I still want to sleep with you. He right? says, meet me down at the fuck bridge where the entire yeah. town goes to fuck. Yeah. Meet me there in 10 minutes. Yeah. And they emphasize that point because when he gets to the bridge, there are these couples frolicking. <laughs> about doing these lovely dance numbers to let you know that, oh no, these people are here to have sex with each other, but we can't show you because this is 1961. Her so, mother comes out of their home and says, what are you doing? Aren't you supposed to meet him at the fuck bridge? <laughs> Get on over there, right? So this is the point where Harold's like, look, you know what? I have actually decided that I respect you now and I don't want to fuck you, but I don't want to run from you. I want to stay and have a relationship with you. And Marion is like, no, you got to get out of here or they're going to run you out on a rail and tar and feather you. No, for real. They're going to kill you. You need yeah. to go. So the tables have officially turned and now they're both expressing their love by once again, having crossed desires for each other where one wants to stay and one wants to go yeah now he wants to stay and essentially be surrogate husband and father and she just wants him to drop a hot load inside of her and hit the exactly. bricks yeah exactly you can you can use my body for sex if that's what you want to do i still respect myself enough allow to allow you to do that so okay this was very clearly written by a frustrated man yes uh <laughs> at least one at least one frustrated man had their input on this it's just like you know what i'm gonna write a musical where something happens that i want 
Yeah, exactly. I'm going to rob these people blind and fuck the librarian. (laughs) But before he gets to nail her, the town shows up to nail him to a rail. They capture him. Uh, They don't actually tar and feather him yet, though. They leave his white suit pristine, but they haul him into the gymnasium, right? For for like a mock trial. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yep. Yep. And uh, and so there's the mayor who's saying, I said from the beginning that we need this guy's credentials. And um, but interestingly enough, they say. He promised us instruments. Well, we got our instruments. He promised us uniforms. Well, actually, the uniforms did arrive. Well, then where is the band? And then suddenly. We the doors kick open. We hear a whistle and that that town ruffian who's a horrible gang leader and and the oh, terrible man. person. Was it Tommy? The leader, yeah, Tommy is in the leader, is the leader in this this sort of slipshod band outfit, right? And he leads in the boys and they do the minuet and G, da 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 da, right? But they're horrible. As well they should be. I am trying my best to remember Tommy's catchphrase. What the fuck was it that that kid kept saying? Great honk. Yeah. What in the fuck does great honk mean? Well, he used it in about eight different contexts throughout the the entirety of this film. And I have no idea what it meant any of those times. I would say that... Um, it would be a colloquialism from a small town, Iowa, mostly farm, where you're probably dealing with geese who are occasionally annoying. And what do geese do? They honk. So if somebody has a great honk, then they're really a pain in the butt is how I would interpret that. So in other words, when he's saying, I have a right to be here just like anybody else. Great honk would be like, what the fuck? Or something like that. Yeah. He uses it in so many baffling ways. Like, I, I thought I had a handle on what this meant, but now he just used it in this context, and I'm absolutely thrown off. Well, there's his uh, his girlfriend, who's also the mayor's daughter, and her catchphrase. Do you remember that one? Nope. <laughs> Ye gods! Oh, Jesus, that girl? Yeah. <laughs> I love that girl who's just like, no, I'm a nice girl. And at the end of every scene, he's like, no, but real quick, let's go over here and fuck. (laughs) What the (laughs) shit? Just like you would hope the mayor's daughter would be. Yeah. So the scene where they're flirting in the library. Yeah. Man, uh just go fuck. Yeah. He's like, come meet me at the bridge. You know, come meet me at the park place. No, I can't do that. Only terrible people. Come on, 930. 930? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's her. Great scene. So so they catch Harold Hill. Nope. Go ahead. You go. No, I've, you were doing exactly what I was going to attempt to do, but you're going to do it better. So, okay. <laughs> so they it. catch Harold Hill. The mayor says, where's the band? Tommy, that ruffian, leads the band in. And turns out, They actually can play the instruments, not well, but well enough 
that the parents are all impressed and they start going, oh, that's my Jimmy. Look at my Charlie play. I always knew he had it in him and things like that. And so really the music man delivered <laughs> on his promises. Yeah, I guess. As weird as it is, the freaking con man shyster actually did everything that was supposed to be the car. Right. But here's the thing is he didn't. <laughs> he, he absolutely didn't. He fucked them out of their money and then convinced them that he hadn't. Well, now, Chris, let's <laughs> no, put this in no, context. No, you shut the hell up, Brad, because that is exactly what happens. No, it's well, that's one way of interpreting it. However, <laughs> the other way of interpreting it is to say he recognized a problem in the town, which is that these poor boys were going to be swayed by this awful pool table <laughs> and needed to buy needed to buy his band instruments and uniforms as well as his think method of learning how to play. And what did he do? Why they paid him that money. He delivered on those instruments. He got them those uniforms and by God, somehow those kids learned how to play. It must've been the think method or maybe Tommy beat the shit out of them. Each and every one of them. I don't know, but uh, somehow, Somehow, by God, Harold Hill delivered. Under this man's tutelage, this town is about two years away from all meeting in the center of town and creating the original Jonestown. Well, possibly. He, he is going to lead them all to ruin. Well, certainly if he stays in town, marries Marion and, and tries to make roots in that town. Uh, it will be nothing but a downward spiral into some sort of mass destruction. Sure, I can see that. <laughs> this is going to spiral out of control, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, Marion can only do so much. And as we see, the interesting thing is at the tail end of this movie, we see she's decided, I know who you are. I still want to sleep with you. And even in those moments where she's like, oh, well, I, I can't really go there. He's like, hey, come on, 15 minutes, Jedi mind trick. And she's like, 15 minutes, okay, right? So the guy is a spellbinder, right? And she's already seduced. So no matter what, this guy staying anywhere is bad for wherever he stays. Yeah, you know, I, I understand that you have lied to me since the second that we have met. Mm. However, and all right, You're he decides so to charming. stay in town. He is going to the town is going to hate her even more because he is going to build mm. them out of more money and just split. And they're going to be like, hey, your fucking husband. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, because that's that is literally what this guy does is show up to a situation, grift as much as he can from every angle that he can figure out how to do it. And then once he's decided that he's sapped everything that he can or they're fucking throwing him out, he's out. None of his plans involve him uh, making any long term anything. Right. No, he's not establishing no. roots anywhere. 
Yeah. So good luck with this whole Marion situation. Yeah. You know? I mean, so anyway, he, so he, he belongs so, on the road, charming people with that weather beaten, leathery 26 or whatever year old that they're trying to pass him off as face. Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. The dude looks about 53 and he's seducing this woman who's Shirley Jones at that time. What would you say? Early 20s? But she's playing mid twenties, like yeah, post, something like that. Eighteen year old or something like that. Yeah, and we did like, the math. I think we figured out that he was supposed to be like twenty five or twenty six. Like she was older than him in the story yeah. from the information yeah. we yeah. were given. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So and you know, the only thing I can say to that is just bullshit, <laughs> man. Okay. But we so, are closing number. We are, I'd say we have not talked about the most fantastical thing that happens in this film. Well, the town has now completely become spellbound, fully under his thrall, because boy, those band uniforms suddenly look beautiful, don't they? They magically change. They literally go bing. Right in front of the mayor's daughter's eyes, suddenly that that slipshod band uniform that was probably worth the buck fifty looks like a top of the line epaulets, gold inlays, everything, lovely top of the line uniform, and oh, the, with the proper gold, whatever that thing is that they spin around the the baton. Yes, yes, and yes. there. Uh, let's see. How many people would you say the band consists of after the transformation? <laughs> About 500? 500 oh. local children? At least. Uh-huh. In a town of, they say at the beginning, the population is 2,212. Yes. And I think we saw the entire child band be that 2,212 population. <laughs> yeah. There are more people in the band that are watched than are watching from the street. Yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely true. Which so, is hilarious. And that changes the entire story because I believe, as I pointed out, this just leads to, uh, leads me to believe he is in fact a warlock and has bewitched an entire town. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. This movie's yeah. fantastic. Exactly, dude. Exactly. It's you see the what best. I mean? Yeah. I mean, and again, okay, let's let's just talk once again about this guy's ability to convince this town that what they need is a boys' band. With his right? fucking Rasputin eyes. The way that he immediately sees something that is uh, a detriment or uh, some sort of character trait or some sort of something that he can exploit to his advantage, he does. And he does it by being super complimentary, making up some sort of um, gift, which means nothing in reality if you think about it. But he's just so impressed by them that he, he wants to be a part of them and have them be involved. And suddenly, you know, he just builds up their level of self-importance to the degree that he can now take their money. It is amazing to see 
what is built into this script in terms of these characters and how they work and how they speak and how they, how they um, perceive each other, you know? It's, it, it's also pretty closely tracks with how fascism starts. Mm. Well, you- the cult, like you were talking about before, the whole yeah. cultish uh, group thing that starts to happen with it. Yeah. yeah you appeal also- to the people with money, it, which means that you can then appeal to uh, the downtrodden. And yeah, mm. it's, mm, it's a yeah. very slippery slope the entire time. It's, it's pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because usually you, you see there's a story I guess what I was trying to point out with this whole um, bit about, uh, you know, actually pointing out that uh, the band uniforms do arrive. The kids may play shitty, but they do play. So in a way, he actually did fulfill that grift. Right. A lot of times in these types of stories that you see, there's always, you know, uh, the grifter gets his in the end. somehow, Right. Like um, Steve Martin did one and I forget the name of it, but it was um, it was about those uh, traveling preachers and he played this traveling. preacher. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. OK. And the one thing that he says in that movie, the one thing that will always ruin a con is the real deal. Right. Yes. And so. To me, that this is one of those examples where, where that was their out for this movie was to give this guy any sort of redemption. They had to show that he actually did fall for one of these girls that he usually just abuses and leaves, right? First, and then second, that he actually did somehow managed to pull off all of this shit that was just a straight up con to begin with, you know, right. whether but, he even knew it or not, because he was ready to leave that fucking town. He was ready to skate until he decided that Marion was actually worth his time and he was going to leave going to stay, you know, well, essentially he fulfills his responsibilities on accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Isn't that crazy? And that's the happy ending of this movie is, hey, you didn't fuck up. How about that? You know? <laughs> and now he's just God king of this community. <laughs> literally, literally leading them dancing around. Right. Making yes. up the tune that they're playing, the 76 trombones leading them and the town <sighs> literally. It, goes from a boys band to a full on fucking marching band with, you know, I mean, if you go from that perspective, then the, the very few that you see on either side, watching this long band go are the very few people who saw through his shit, never bought into it. (laughs) Yeah. And they're just just sitting there going, Oh man. (laughs) <laughs> or, or they They're are prisoners not enjoying the parade <laughs> they are prisoners put there for the photo opportunity because the <laughs> sidewalks can't be bare some real North Korean right. fucking military parade shit 
Right, exactly. Those are the prisoners. Wave, cheer, cheer. (laughs) (laughs) Do it now. (laughs) Oh, man. There's the bayonet in every bag. (laughs) So that's the music, man. 1961. A bayonet in every back and some rice in every pot. Against fascism. (laughs) Oh, man. Awesome. Well, I I am delighted that you liked it. I would recommend this to anyone who gets high. (laughs) Fucking awesome. Yeah, exactly, dude. You know, two and a half hours. The nice thing about the two and a half hours is you can actually doze off, wake up, and it's still going. I mean... I was never bored during this movie there. I was seriously for a two and a half hour musical. That's this insane. I was never Mm. bored. Not once did I look away from the screen in two and a half hours. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, Brad. uh, This was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure, my friend. I'm glad, glad you like it. So, um, uh, Oh, and also, I would like to uh, give a shout out to the local library, to anybody who, if you don't have a library card, get one. Because if you can't find it on your streaming service, you can get it from your library and the membership and the rentals are free. 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 So, okay. There you yeah, go. Man, let's do plugs for the library now. Sure. Hey, right, man. Hey, with what there are so many different streaming services, each one charges a monthly fee and each one controls their own content. Disney fucking edits their content. So if you want to see something that as it was meant to be seen, not what Disney wants you to see, go to the fucking library and get the DVD. And and also while you're at the library, get a fucking book too. people just need to start reading books. Yes, please. One of the last resources of public information that is free is the public library. Get yourself a book, get yourself a movie. You can even get a video game if you're into the all around media consumption thing, whatever, you know, but it's all available. Public library. Just do not harass the librarian when you go in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Don't think don't yeah they don't, don't walk in like just you. singing Marion. <laughs> they don't like you to sing to them <laughs> they would rather you just came in got your information they're happy to help you but always be kind and polite <laughs> and don't sneak up behind them and sniff their necks that's not oh, okay no, no uh-uh. don't uh don't close the book that they're reading and Tell try to grab their chin to make them look you in the eye. Don't, you know, leave them alone. Leave them alone. They do not think it's cute. No. It's not cute. So. It is a crime. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but as I will say... God damn it, Brad, no. You're not going to sit here and justify whatever. With most every movie that has objectionable material, remember, folks, It is only a movie. It is not a how-to manual to do anything. It is simply meant for entertainment, discussion, and that is it. If you're taking cues to pick up women from a musical from 1961, good God, go see a therapist, please. 
Yeah. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. God damn it. If you're listening to Joe Rogan interview Jordan Peterson and taking (laughs) away any advice these boners have to give you. Oh, man, you are the problem. (laughs) If you listen to anything we have to say and take it. Yeah. God forbid. If you're taking advice from us, hopefully the one thing you take away is to go to the library and get some real information for fuck's sake. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> please don't right. anyway uh brad what have what have you got to plug before we get out of here right now nothing um i've had a couple of nice little research things that i shared with you and um hopefully in a few more months we'll have some more information but right now we're kind of um research and i ideas early pre-production stage that's it you, what do you got? What are you doing? Uh, well, if you only listen to the episodes that Brad's on, we also do a horror vomit where we talk about yes. horror movies. It's sweet. It's What's real stupid, one? but it's real fun. What's the next one? Uh, let's see. When is this coming out? Uh, after this, I believe it will be Jacob's Ladder. Oh, dig it. That's is a good one. Um, so we have that going on. We just just recorded. We have a five part mini series. Myself and my lovely co-host Kayla Perkins spent five or so hours talking about Mike Flanagan's Hill House. And oh, boy, (laughs) it is an ADHD nightmare, but we had a lot of fun doing (laughs) it. So why not? Uh, every Saturday night, if you come to our Facebook group around nine o'clock, I will post a link to our discord server where we are watching free movies with our friends every Saturday night. Absolutely no cost to you. I believe when this goes up, uh, which will be Thursday. Yes. This weekend, uh, this Saturday night at 10, We'll be doing The Black Coat's Daughter, which is legitimately one of my favorite movies of all time. It's very, very good. So that's a... Oh, and we also have calendars for sale. Holy shit. I actually had shit to plug (laughs) this time. God damn. Yep. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. All right. How do I get a calendar, Chris? Uh, You contact myself or Brad or James or anyone that you've heard on the network. Whoever you like, get a hold of them. They'll get a hold of me. You don't fucking well, talk now, to Chris, me directly. If I wanted to get a hold of you, how do I get a hold of you? Do you have an email or a Facebook page? Or how do I do that, Chris? Uh, again, we have our Facebook group. If you want to send us an email, you can send us an email at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. Boom. There it Brad, is. Brad, you sack of shit. Stop making me <laughs> plug things. <laughs> Chris, I want to go to bed, you bastard. I can't wait until we do another um quiz game, game show, whatever. Oh, God damn it, now you're committing me to writing more stuff too. Fucking ain't right, I am. Tell you <laughs> what, man, there's money in them, their ideas. It just no, there is. <laughs> yeah. right, well. Me ripping off CBS. Yeah. It's a real fucking ain't right. We'll real talk more later. To success. <laughs> we'll talk. Fuck yeah. Yeah. More stuff I'm not going to promote after doing. <laughs> well, oh. we'll see how things go. All right. So, man, uh, should we go ahead and uh, just be done with this? Yeah, let's call it. It's good right. talking with you, my friend. 
Uh, you too, Brad. I love you. <laughs> love you too, man. Oh, God Talk to you later. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs>